What's going on, everybody? Welcome to What's Good, a podcast with a laid-back look at photography, where we explore simple ways to make a big difference for your photography. All right, well, we landed on episode six, and today I have a great guest, Jordan Lane from Calgary. He's got 13 plus years experience working for iStock Photo and Getty Images, and we have a great conversation that talks about organizing your photos and metadata and that sort of stuff. So stay tuned for that conversation. This is What's Good, a podcast brought to you by GoodSidePhoto.com and hosted by me, Ryan Walter Wagner. Welcome, Jordan. Thanks for being on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Ryan. You're welcome. Um, well, let's dive right into it. You've got a history in metadata, and that is definitely something that I'm sure a lot of hobby photographers are left scratching their head about, and probably a ton of pro photographers that just don't give it the attention that maybe it needs. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm in that category. <laughs> um, I've been getting a little bit better about it since I took a photojournalism course the, um, last year where I learned a lot more about that. Um, but personally, I feel like there's a ton more that I don't know. And a lot of, a lot of times for me, when there's a lot of information that uh, needs to be tackled, I can push it to the side easily, even if it is important for my career. Um, which is why I'm very glad that you reached out to talk about that subject in particular. Um, so why don't we start off with you telling me or telling us um, the importance of getting the meta- metadata right and what it even is. really? Sure. Well, so metadata is basically it's textual information that attaches to a photo to convey more information than beyond what the image itself does. So for instance, when you set up your metadata on a photo, um, say when you're setting up Photoshop or whatever, you can have it add metadata to all the files that you create within that program that have your copyright and a link to your website and all that kind of stuff. And that um, and tagging, keywording kind of tends to be about where most people stop. Um, Most photographers in my experience with metadata, professional and hobbyists alike, um, is kind of getting those two points down and then kind of not really Um, considering how to optimize the metadata, um, not only for their own workflow and their own accuracy of their data, but for the overall health of the kind of search pool, so to speak. Um, Because the more accurate everyone's metadata is in a given kind of search ecosystem, the better the results are, the more focused and accurate they are for both uh, consumers and um, producers or or, consumers. professionals, salespeople, whatever you want to call them, people who want to get their images seen, because that's kind of um, the push-pull at the heart of it is that there's a disincentive um, or, or, or a perceived disincentive on the part of the photographer to keep their keywords accurate and strictly relevant, because that, quote, limits the number of searches that you're going to appear in. Um, so there's a lot of kind of temptation to try and make an image reach beyond maybe what's going on and it make it more metaphorical or address kind of end use cases within the search keywords. Um, but then, you know, for instance, if you, if you, if you, let's say if you went on Instagram and searched the real estate hashtag, you would see pictures of houses for sale, but you would also see a lot of inspirational quotes attributed to the wrong person that really kind of have nothing to do with buying and selling houses. And so if you're a person who actually wants 
what's going on in that hashtag, like if that's going to be a useful source of information for you, the less watered down the sort of pool of, of search tags is overall, the better that is for the consumer. So, I mean, obviously there's nothing that can be done about, I know exactly what you're talking about. You look at a YouTube video about a music video and it says free cruise in the hashtag, like it has nothing to do with what's going mm-hmm. on. And, you know, like you say, it waters down that hashtag. So what, what would be done about that? Is there, there's no way to actually stop that from happening. There's really not other than um, platform side enforcement, basically kind right. of uh, checking that accuracy and, and, doing both automated and manual edits to um, make those keywords reflect the content of the image as accurately as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, was a large portion of what I used to do uh, when I worked for iStock Photo Getty Images. Um, and yeah, so, so a lot of my work was aimed at uh, creating and automating processes to identify assets with incorrect metadata based on yeah. the um, metadata in that uh, image's um, keyword pool and, you know, kind of identify cases where this is likely to be inaccurate and processes to remove that keyword and add the correct intended one. Right. So are companies actively doing that then? Yeah, um, definitely on like the professional side. So iStock and Getty, um, that was, you know, stock photography and editorial. Um, I worked primarily stock for most of my career and then uh, editorial focused on fashion the last two years, which is a lot of fun for me. Um, and then, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that, th- those kind of professional sites definitely have, um, you know, resources for that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that overall it's under-resourced to period at any company, like there's not enough attention paid to that stuff because it's usually zero, but I really think that you kind of can't get enough, but it is an expensive process. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so we're, I mean, you're just kind of talking about, you know, what, what do you attach? Sorry, I, I remember where I wanted to go. Okay, um, go. <laughs> yeah, a platform like Instagram, though, say, um, aside from regulating, say, hate speech and things like that in the hashtag metadata, they're very, very unlikely to do any sort of like accuracy enforcement. Um, and so that's why kind of the more socially intended the platform, the less likely you're to, you are to see that kind of... Um, hashtag policing, I guess you could call it. Whereas on a platform with a commercial incentive, you want both accurate results on your internal search, but then also accurate results for, you know, Google crawlers and things like that for SEO. So. Right. So basically you're saying is if you can make, if you're making money off of it, you should invest in cleaning up hashtags on your platform. Definitely. (laughs) It's like Instagram where people are, you know, they use it to purchase things, but it's a lot of entertainment and a lot of just I mean, I mindlessly scroll for hours all the time. Totally. Um, so I understand that maybe they're not, I mean, for me, it would be helpful if they were up to date on the hashtags, um, but they're apparently they're not. They're just kind of letting it ride. Hey, that's, that's my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, again, I have no affiliation with or know anyone who works there, but um, just based on, on the accuracy of the data that I see when I'm scrolling, when, yeah. when I'm doom scrolling through Instagram too, I guess it's not so doomy as Twitter. Maybe it's like happy scrolling, um, <laughs> so scrolling. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely see a lot of, a lot of stuff that just doesn't belong on there. So yeah, I, I, I see it all the time and it's quite annoying, but 
I just scroll, keep scrolling. <laughs> so um, I got a couple questions I want to run past you after after talking. You know, basically, what is meta, metadata and what is the benefit of it? Um, so say I'm, you know, I've been a hobby photographer. I want to start taking myself more seriously. I'm adding hashtags on my Instagram, but what should I be doing about metadata at that point? Um, is there any kind of like easy startup things or some definite do's or definite don'ts that you would suggest um, when beginning to work with metadata and that sort of thing? Um, I would say for best practices, um, if, you're really, if you're really starting from scratch, and this is, this is something that um, I will extol the virtues of at length to anyone, um, if you if you're going to do this for real and you're starting from scratch, um, I would suggest to kind of put together your own spreadsheet database of this metadata that you can then um, use as a kind of master to put these assets in whatever platforms are currently available and whatever are to come in the future and and automate that process as much as possible because um, that is largely still using the same data, like the Canon EOS Rebel that I bought in 2004 when I was in journalism school, um, you know, that that takes, that, that has the same kind of metadata uses and requirements on its images um, uh, still. Like uh, you talked about your photojournalism course, I'm sure you learned about like IPTC standards. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so that's like the press uh, standards for metadata, and that stuff gets updated. But um, at least the kind of keyword fields and the correspondences and the way that the data itself is actually parsed um, by systems and things like that, it hasn't really changed that much in the course mm -hmm. of you know the last twenty years or so. Right. Okay. Um, and that's that. That also includes captioning the photographs. Then I suppose. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Caption writing is really interesting because it's kind of. It, it's more of an art than a science, but there's um, there's a kind of linguistically seen as correct way to do it. And I'm not great about like sentence structure. I can't tell you what like subject predicate, whatever, blah, blah, right. blah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's definitely like an accepted way to do it. But the most kind of um, important thing to keep in mind is to tell the person everything that's going on uh, kind of concretely in the photo and to not editorialize. Um, so, you know, it's if you've a, got... Just the facts, right? Who, who yeah, are, exactly. Why put that into your caption, essentially, right? Yeah, exactly. But then the metadata, like the keywording and tagging, goes beyond that. Yeah. So, um, in a lot of systems that are, but part of the reason that captions are written the way they are, um, and metadata standards have stayed so consistent for so long, is um, because of the machine parsing that these things do. So, there's basically like, um, uh, if, if, if you teach a machine how kind of the rules of how these captions are always constructed, uh, what it can do then when it gets a caption, if that caption is formatted correctly in those styles, it can parse it correctly and turn that caption into keywords for its metadata. Um, so that's a big part of why editorial captioning is so important is because that kind of stuff typically doesn't come in with much keywords. It's all stripped out of the caption and parsed into keywords, which is why it's set up like geographical location, dash, a subject of photo, um, verbs, location, like in front of a whatever, and then provides context for like the event that's going on. And these parsing uh, systems kind of 
yeah, they, they, they can identify all of those things. It's like, oh, this is a person. This is an event. This is uh, the date. This is a place in, in Tehran, whatever. And um, assign the correct keywords to that, you know, provided that nothing goes wrong on ingestion, which it does frequently. So. <laughs> <laughs> um okay go quickly go back to the spreadsheet like your advice yeah. if you're if you're getting it together um you want to do this right your advice is just set up a spreadsheet so you have all that information at any time you can reach out and grab it so what information are you suggesting goes into that spreadsheet so um if i was again coming at this from zero um if i'm starting my photography studio tomorrow um basically it wouldn't be kind of one, it would be a series of kind of nested spreadsheets in, in a database that all kind of cross-reference with each other. But the mm -hmm. sorts of things that I would keep track of would be, um, I would have a naming convention for my files that would probably represent the date. So um, instead of ha having the like IMG0001 system that a camera might assign, I might uh, change it to write the file date as the image name first thing. So that's kind of like the baseline is, is having a way to um kind of keep your uh keep keep your new assets coming in in a way that you know makes sense to you like in a way where you can understand this data that's coming in and then from there everything gets kind of easier so i would be tracking things like um where the shoot was who the model was if i was shooting with the model kind of what kind of a photograph it was uh so then you know like portraits or fashion or, um, you know, landscape photography or whatever. Um, any other kind of details that I needed to know, uh, like notes wise about it, maybe uh, you could probably find something to strip the actual time that that photo was taken out of the EXIF data and preload that into a table. Um, so again, you can like, I know that um, I had a really good hour out at this hill the other day, but what was that really good five minutes where I got these four frames or whatever? And like, okay, that's that's your time of day that you're gonna go back. You can really kind of customize it as like crazy as you want. Um, so I have a, a database right now that I use for fashion reference images. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that I keep track of with that is uh, who the designer is, um, sorry, who, who the brand is and then who the designer was designing for that brand at that time, um, who the model is, uh, the season um, that the garment came out during, and just generally kind of what's being worn in there. And then that way, if I, on a whim, I can say, okay, so um, computer, show me women's fashion from 1976 to 1978, who by men, by male designers, because I've got that data in there too. You can link all this stuff up. It's crazy. Um, and yeah. And, and basically get that kind of really specific subset or like computer, show me a group of uh, women wearing military style clothing and get that together. And then that can be a source of inspiration for uh, a styling client or um, a fashion shoot or something to, um, yeah, just, just just do whatever you want to. But that's just kind of one example of, of how I would build a photo library and the kind of metadata that I would be uh, creating around these images. So Right. So, you, so all of that information, where you shot it, when you shot it, who's in the photo, um, all that sort of information you're putting into a spreadsheet so that you can access that information. And then how are you attaching it to the photograph? 
Um, basically, most of that becomes tags or keywords attached to the photograph. So you're just um, really copy and pasting at that point? Yeah. So, so basically, what you can do is actually um, make it even easier than that. Uh, so if, if you just kind of learn a little bit about um, Excel or kind of spreadsheet tools in general, things that like uh, concatenate functions, what you can do is actually say, okay, um, I have these 10 cells across this page with uh, the location, the model name, um, whatever, the, the, the style of, of garment or fashion that's, that's going on in the photo, all this different data. And then what you can do is use a concatenate function to pull all of those 10 separate boxes into a 11th box that just has all of those points of data as comma separated values. And then you can just dump that again. You, this is another thing that you could just automate in something like Lightroom or Bridge, I believe, to just dump into your photo metadata before you upload it to your site or whatever. Are you, how are you connecting it to the spreadsheet? Um, basically, you use what's called an API, uh, or or you can upload um, spreadsheet. Uh, a, a lot of programs take CSV type spreadsheet data um, mm -hmm. to import information from. Okay. So then you just, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. the programs like Lightroom and Capture One and Photo Mechanic. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit more. Um, okay, so let's see where we're at here. So we got a spreadsheet. We've got a lot of information about the photograph. We've um, connected it to whatever photo editing software we want to use um, so that all the data that we want to have, all the keywords, all the credits, everything goes to the metadata on the photograph. And now I have the photograph, it's edited. I'm ready to start posting it online or send it to e through email to somebody. At that point, what is happening with the metadata? Like what is the, what's the point of having that on there? Um, the biggest thing is searchability in my opinion. Uh, even, even just for, no, no matter how you're using that content. So let's say that I, I shot this piece of fashion content and I want to use it to sell one of the garments that the model is wearing on my website. Um, so when I upload that, uh, those hashtags, or excuse me, tags, keywords attached to that um, help reinforce the SEO uh, on that because it's, you know, it, it, it's kind of more evidence that this is in fact an accurate result for these keywords because we not only have um, text data and footer tags and all these other kinds of things that tell uh, search engines that here's here's some information about this subject. Uh, but then there's always these kinds of secondary things that they look for to correlate that. Because again, Google, like anyone else, is dealing with the problem of a huge pool of inaccurate keywords and the kind of, of, of push-pull between the people doing the search and the people who want to get their stuff seen. Um, and so they, like everyone else, have a process to uh, kind of filter out the noise, so to speak. Right. Um, so essentially, metadata is helping with SEO. That's a big part of it, for sure. Um, but then, yeah. sorry, go uh, ahead. I was going to say that somebody once told me that file naming would be a huge help with SEO. Absolutely, yep. Okay, so uh, uh, along with, and, you know, I'm gonna, I'll just keep reiterating, you know, we got the spreadsheet full of all the information. Um, that's going to help uh, search engines find that photo for what it is, as long as it's accurate, but also file naming is an important part of that, which goes hand in hand. 
Is there anything outside of those two things that are also included in that search searchability? Hmm. Um, SEO is not that much of my experience. Mine was more on an, in, an internal search. Uh, okay. So I just have a kind of, of you know, uh, relatively a slightly more informed layman's understanding, shall we call it. Um, but yeah, like, so basically the, the, the biggest things are, um, you know, the, there's always going to be the kind of header and footer tags, uh, having the stuff that is in your title, uh, be what you want to get captures for. Um, and then also just, uh, hitting, hitting that in the text as often as you can. Like, that's why these kinds of, of blogs that, um, a good example are like uh, uh, blogs for um, online cannabis retailers. Uh, they have they have these very very keyword marketing heavy blog content on their sites to generate what appears to be information. Um, it's really just kind of noise because it's just marketing copy over and over again with a little bit about like CBD or whatever the kind of person came searching for. Um, so they kind of hit that phrase that got that person in there enough times in the copy on the page to really be like, yeah, this is a, this is a really good hit, uh, to Google. Um, so yeah, it's really just kind of, uh, mostly through text, of course, um, just give, giving the thing what it wants as many times as you can and, and increasing its understanding of the likelihood of your asset as an accurate result for that user search. Right. Um, so does that mean that the text in a website is more important than the metadata that you're entering on the photo? Um, do either of those kind of outweigh the other one or, or trump, trump one or the other? Well, um, I, I don't, I, I think that what it, it, it kind of, if, if you start at the start with just a database or a spreadsheet, um, that kind of, because anything that you're going to want to do through text on the page is also going to be useful as metadata. Like that, that comma separated of list, excuse me, that comma separated list of keywords that you built to attach to that image is very likely going to also be a mostly accurate list of keywords as SEO for the content of that page. If it's, if you've got a few shots with the same model or you're setting up um, a few different models from the same series or whatever like that, that you've shot, uh, you know, there, there's going to be an overlap of keywords between things that are relevant for that images SEO or accuracy and things that are relevant for that web pages SEO or accuracy. Okay. Um, do you know of any, I always feel like, like hashtags, I'll use that as an example is say there's a really great hashtag that you seem to get, you know, maybe it works. People come and look at your photo because mm -hmm. of that hashtag and, and you're finding that that one is working really well, but then it starts to get watered down a little bit. Again, like we we're talking about is people will maybe find something that's popular, attach it to something that has nothing to do with it just so that they can use those eyes to look at their stuff. Yeah. So, um, so I find that there's a constant change in what's happening or what's working as far as hashtags, which I'm sure is the same with, with uh, entering metadata or, or keywords into your photograph. Um, are there any resources out there that you know of that like is kind of up to date with that, that you could refer to and say, you know, I've got this photo of someone wearing eyeglasses um, and I've never really shot that before. So I'm not sure how to get the most people to look at 
this photograph with eyeglasses and that's what I, those are the people that I want to look at it. Um, do you know of any resources out there that can kind of help you or kickstart you in uh, to get the right verbiage out that will help help what you're trying to do, I guess? Uh, no, I haven't actually, um, I haven't actually looked into that kind of stuff because I mostly just sort of work off of, um, I, for lack of a better word, intuition, but really it's, it's just experience um, of just kind of going through and, and looking at the content that is being produced that's like the content that I want to produce and kind of seeing what's going on in the hashtags there. But honestly, by and, by and large, um, at least the way that I use search on there, um, it's not a lot of kind of boutique hashtags. It's just often like most of my searches that are set up are for things like hashtag vintage Ralph Lauren or, um, you know, uh, hashtag 90s models or whatever, things like that, um, that uh, are really, yeah, th this isn't, it, it's not a nugget of gold that very few people have panned for. It's just, which is why that accuracy is so much more important. Because, you know, if I'm if I'm the guy that hops on Instagram because I want to find the coolest vintage Ralph Lauren pieces, like if every time I search on there, it's like a bunch of stuff that's brand new, a bunch of reissues, a bunch of like Supreme pieces, a bunch of, you know, Slipknot t-shirts, all this other kind of stuff from people trying to get their eyes on things. It's just like, oh, well, like, how do I find this stuff now? <laughs> and that's that's where um, I think that you really kind of have to accept the ephemerality of, of hashtags. Like I can, I can emphasize the value of accuracy in my, in, in my opinion and, and in search uh, all I want to, but I totally understand that it's like, it's a Sisyphean battle. It's a, it's like something that unless you really, 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 really throw a ton of resources at it, it is very, very tough to deal with. And especially kind of once that ball gets rolling and, best practices get kind of, or excuse me, bad practices get seen as acceptable. Exactly. Yeah. So we're just kind of waiting through, <laughs> waiting through yeah. it regardless, right? Um, so it's that's, other, but as long as you're doing your stuff accurately, I think is the, is the biggest benefit because those people that are kind of chucking those things out there, they're always going to be there. So just get past them, I guess. Yeah. And, and so where I think is, is actually more important than hashtags on things like on a platform like Instagram is uh branding um getting getting not necessarily like attaching yourself to the hashtags and things like that but just um you know creating hashtags that people want to engage with maybe things like that that are a fun kind of call to action so say like you know um geez, I don't know, uh, uh, say every Tuesday you do Good Side Tuesday, where you ask people to post a photo of their good side that day. And, uh, you know, and, and you retweet or whatever, restory the best ones, or, or all of them, fuck, I don't know. Um, yeah, so, so, so that's like something where um, you're not, you're not necessarily worried about the uh, uh, accuracy of that, because if anything, if other people start using that, that's just going to steer more people to you. That's, that's a kind of case of like, it, it's like Kleenex where, um, their, their noun is genericized now, but they still file a shit ton of facial tissue, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that having, this is something that I'm really still figuring out for myself. So I'm speaking from kind of like a lot of recent learning here, um, kind of figuring out your brand for lack of a better word is really, really hard and confusing. 
Um, yeah. But I think it's important to do uh, and kind of understand like, okay, so there's this marketplace that has a ton of people who are as skilled and as hungry as I am. So how am I going to set my apart? How am I going to set myself apart? How do I give it the human touch? And I think that that is not through having the highest placement on the hashtag Italian fashion. It's from creating content that people want to engage with and engaging with other people's content, like finding the people on there who like, oh, this person is fun or this person is interesting or this person uses their voice in a positive way and kind of building even at a distance just through comments or whatever, that little bit of rapport and then kind of both ships start to rise with the tide. Right. Um, I agree with that because if, if you... It is a better to make it more personal and about yourself or like you, like you say, it's like finding your brand. And a lot of times it's your personality. That's your brand. And that's what attracts people. Mm-hmm. It attracts people. Um, and it goes a little bit to, to what you were saying earlier. Um, it was great advice. I like the advice and I use it all the time is, you know, if, if you want to be um, a headshot photographer, look around, see, look at those photographers that are doing that work that you want to be doing and study what they're doing. And it's the same thing with, with the hashtags and that sort of thing. Like find the people that are doing what you want to be doing, see how they're doing it and turn it into your own thing. But you have to, you have to learn from somewhere and and the experience is really what it comes down to. Um, So I always like that advice to study other people. Yeah. Because there's a reason that you've been inspired to want to do that thing. It's, there's not a lot of originality out in the world these days. Um, so it's obviously inspired by someone or something somewhere. So exactly. F- go out there and find out what they're doing and see how you can do it yourself, really, right? Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Oh, yeah. No. I, I, I wanted to say one more thing about, about uh, finding that inspiration is that that's another thing where it's possible, as strange as it sounds, to actually do that at scale, through the same kind of applications of databases that I'm talking about, where what you can do is use a scraper program to scrape the contents of someone's Instagram page and actually sort the image and the text and all that stuff. And then have that, you, you can use, um, again, just like separate that, those hashtags out. And then you could actually take that data and, you know, have a look at it as a set of data and say, what is this person, this person's most, um, what, what's the, what's this person's keyword that they use the most? What is the person's keyword that is, uh, is there one keyword that appears on all of this person's uh, images that have over 5,000 views? Um, what, uh, what, what, what keywords when they co-occur together, um, you know, I guess I guess you're just kind of looking at the, the 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 data pool associated with this set of assets and trying to extrapolate out you know educated guesses um, as to kind of where you can go with this stuff and that's you know that that's kind of data science in a nutshell. It, it sounds scary, but that's just like it's just taking that set of assets and throwing it into Excel and yeah. trying to trying to fortune tell from it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, what, what's this scraper program you just mentioned? Then? So uh, a scraper I- is just something that you can um, point at a web page and it will uh, just like uh, scrape, um, download the contents of that page for you into like a zip. 
and then you can kind of do whatever with that data after. So instead of just like going on to, I, I could go on your web, web page and right click and save it as HTML and get most of the same stuff, but using a program like that would let you um, get that data into uh, a, a program or a format that's easier to work with uh, faster and with less effort. I see. Okay. So if anybody is out there thinking of using that tactic, they can just Google scraper program. And- I can, I can, I've got already a list of some further resources for you and I can definitely add some stuff about that. So yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a little break now so we can have a sip of our drink and uh, come back and we'll start uh, talking more about actual software and, and what to do with that and your metadata and other things. Look forward to it. You're listening to What's Good, a photography podcast brought to you by GoodSidePhoto.com. Professional photography for people and products. A Good Side Weekend. Okay, so we're back with Jordan Lane. Thanks again for taking some time out to explain a lot, a big part of photography that I think a lot of people don't actually know about or even consider or know what to do with the information. And we're talking a lot about metadata and keywords and how to include those in your photographs so that your photographs can be searched and viewed by the people you're trying to aim them at. Is that a good way of putting it? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. It's it's about getting the right eyeballs on your stuff and, and doing everything within your power to uh, do that in a way that hopefully adds to, instead of detracting from the overall kind of web ecosystem we'll call That's it right. stop hashtagging free cruises on your band photos <laughs> um okay so now that we talked a lot about what is metadata what are keywords what are the benefits of them how are they helping the world how are they helping you um let's talk about the software and how to utilize you know software that is out there available used on a you know most people are using them and what do you do with this information how do you apply it to your photos so i know we kind of touched base last week to just kind of see what we wanted to talk about a little bit and i mentioned lightroom capture one and photo mechanic are are three softwares that are widely used by photographers so i'm gonna give you the floor a little bit to start where you want with those ones yeah, so um, just for, for context and I guess a bit of clarity, um, I largely use proprietary systems in my career, uh, so I don't actually have that much experience with these programs, but uh, what's great about what we talked about earlier, the IPTC template, is that that is the same standard that all of these uh, programs use, which means that it's the same um, standard that the uh, where where am I going with this? The, 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 it, it's 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 the same thing. You, it's the same thing that you can integrate with uh, all of these this database stuff that I've been talking about earlier. So okay. um, the kind of internal mechanics of applying this stuff to each um, to, to assets in each program are different, but largely the same because again we are working with the same kind of data. Uh, it's mostly about how efficient they are in different kinds of workflows um, and you know how easy it makes it to apply or remove keywords from assets in bulk um, and how it handles other kinds of, of operations like that, because that's really the, the, the biggest um, benefit to keeping this stuff clean is, is scalability. 
Um, because when, like, like if, if you get, if, if, if you accept a, a flaw rate of say 5% inaccuracy on your stuff, like at, at the start when you've only got a hundred photos in your library, that's not that big a deal. That's, that's, you know, whatever, five photos. Um, yeah. but then these, these things compound as time goes on. Um, and so the, the awful and the wonderful thing about automation is that it does exactly what you tell it to at scale. It doesn't question what you've told it. It just says, okay, boss, yep, I'm going to apply this keyword to all 300 assets. And then the next time you go look for a picture of an, um, that lady holding an umbrella, it's just like, none of these have umbrellas. What's going on here? Um, so yeah, that's, that's uh, where from what, from the, the bit of reading and kind of watching online that I've done. And like I said, I'll send you some videos after um, photo mechanics seems to be the best, uh, for working with metadata at scale. Uh, not that it has that many kinds of features that these other programs don't, but again, um, for, for its, its bulk editing features, that seems to be kind of what puts it a cut above apparently. So. Okay. Yeah. I really like photo mechanic. I've been using it now for maybe about a year. And for me, the huge bonus of it is the quickness of culling photos when you, when you load raw photos into it you don't have to wait for them to load like all the images are there so you can scroll through at a rapid pace um it's really good for when you're you know you're out on location shooting a whole ton of photos you can rip through and tag them right away it's really really fast for for um for culling your photos so my process would be to call in photo mechanic to do most of my edits in lightroom and bring into photoshop if i need to do any retouching or anything major um but with photo mechanic i've noticed that now i always include a caption and start doing so I've, it actually has helped me because I think of the user ability it's quite a quite a bit easier I guess to use than the other ones for adding in that that data um so it's nice to to hear that it's good for for the bulk the bulk yeah, absolutely um yeah. yeah and I think that that's also it's interesting because that's just kind of good practice to get into um is is doing this stuff for your own image library so to speak you all, all of your digital assets whatever it is the same time yeah, the same way that people um with like a big record collection maybe keep track of that in an excel spreadsheet it's right. really important to do that with digital assets too and i think that a lot of people kind of take that for granted um and so sorry where was i going with this what was what were you just talking about we we're talking about photo mechanic and the ability to do bulk um i guess information input right yeah. Um, so, so yeah, just, just being able to do this stuff at, at, oh yeah, that's what it was about captions. Um, so yeah, when, when, if you're getting into the practice of writing captions, when you're processing photos, especially while this stuff is kind of fresh in your head, uh, same thing with keywording and with maybe like a little five points reference guide to like, what are, what are the things I should make sure that I'm including in my photos keywords? Like what are the, the things that I should for sure be hitting regardless of what types of photos I'm shooting? Um, and uh, if you get in the practice of writing those, it's not only good practice and it helps your own data, but it's also that that's also content that gets repurposed. Like those become your captions on Instagram. Those become uh, uh, whatever, um, subheads uh, on a blog post for, you know, your newsletter or whatever that is, all of these kinds of things. And that's just another thing where um, 
doing that work up front uh, and doing it scalable and excuse me in bulk and automating it wherever possible um, just it gives you it preloads that stuff to use later because you're going to be writing that stuff sometime whether it's right after you take the photo or whether it's a year later when you're putting together that photo essay and you've kind of got like some stuff remembered but you wish you could have written like a more accurate caption at the time right um i got a quick question i want to pop in here with yeah for keywords and stuff like that you know i notice i, I kind of read something that i that i agreed with and i thought it was kind of funny uh if you go to an instagram page of some person that's a photographer or wants trying to be a photographer and in their bio will be i use this sony camera and these are the lenses that i use and, and uh uh I, you know, I always thought that was kind of funny to include your gear in a, in a bio. And then I read this one thing is like the only people that are reading that is like other photographers, mm -hmm. not the people that are trying to hire a photographer. So what's the point of putting that in there? Um, so my question for you is with keywords, is that sort of, is, is gear an important thing to add to your keywords? Does it make any difference? You know, should, should that be included or? It's really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to abstract that question up one level to the question of, say, niche or specialist keywords, because this is Perfect. something I was thinking about earlier today when I was thinking about our call. Um, so that that was something that I dealt with a lot um, in my in my career was basically people wanting um, search to be changed to kind of reflect fairly niche use cases of things that already have more accurate keywords. One that always kind of springs to mind off the top of my head was uh, hearing from the paintball community a bunch of times because they wanted to make sure that when you search marker, it returned images of a paintball gun, which I guess is what you call a paintball gun in that culture. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, like, they're not wrong like that, that that's what that's known as. But any person, whether it is a the, the number one world ranked professional paintball player or a total layperson they're both going to type paintball gun into Google image search. Like neither of them are going to type marker because again, they, they, whether, whether you want to kind of like admit it or not, those, those kinds of like really blunt instrument search terms are the kinds of things that most people use. And that's why, you know, in my opinion, SEO, it's not that like glamorous or interesting because it's just like, if people are searching the exact things that you think that they're searching and it's not that interesting. That's like the people found that photo of, of, of that cardigan from searching cardigan, not, That's you know, right. like 1930s all wool <laughs> or whatever. Like, <laughs> I totally agree. It's like, it has to be basic because that's how people are searching is basic. Like, there's some people that are really good at searching in Google and putting in the right words and finding these uh, harder to find things. But really, like you say, is is the average person is going to put in cardigan. They're not going to put in three buttons, sweater, pull, whatever, you know, they're yeah. looking for what they're looking for. So uh, a question I want to pitch to you is right, one, one more quick point yeah. off of that, though, is that it's not only uh, it, it's interesting because you brought up that that's what what people are searching more and mm -hmm. more, though, it's not actually about how people are searching. It's about how machines are searching and how machines uh, input and segment and, and process that information. Because say, if you're, if you're someone who, um, uh, you know, works as a, a curator around a very popular hashtag on Pinterest or something like that. Um, I know people do curate some of that kind of stuff. Um, so, um, so we, we need to keep this accurate for machines because, yeah. um, 
basically, if, you, if you're a person who's curating Pinterest, it's very likely that you're not doing all of that work by yourself. You're not going through every asset that comes through to upload it to Pinterest with that hashtag and doing that. You are going to see, you know, like the top 10,000. And how do those assets get into the top 10,000? Like by getting some sort of measure of user feedback and uh, not hitting these sorts of um, keyword removal algorithms uh, in the event that the metadata on it is inaccurate. So it's like there's there's so many kind of sets of eyes, for lack of a better word, in the forms of crawlers that are hitting this stuff before a human ever will. And, you know, in some cases, a, a human never might. Uh, a, a lot of the stuff that I saw on, you know, in, in stock imagery was like, you know, uh, an image would have been uploaded five years ago and have 12 views. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's a bummer for that guy that put in that time and effort to that shoot. But that's that's the reality of of scale uh, yeah. uh, of all this stuff. Um, so, so yeah, like, like it's, it's definitely about keeping the search clean for people and, and helping people use it. But like more and more, we have to think about how machines treat this data. Well, you're right. I mean, it's all, we're, 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 we're searching through a machine and the answer is coming from a machine. So yeah, I mean, to, to be able to sort that translation out is a great, great mention. Um, just to talk quickly about you, you're talking about like the, the niche categories or the niche keywords and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I often think about like people that would want to make a, a more interesting or a more clever way to talk about whatever product or whatever is in their photograph. So you're saying that doesn't necessarily work or isn't a good idea. You know, what I'm thinking of is like coming up with a new hashtag that maybe isn't, I'll I'll use the cardigan example again, like, sure, it's a cardigan, it's a sweater, it's a piece of clothing, but do you think of hashtags beyond those obvious ones? Is it worth your time and effort to do that sort of thing? I I think that 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 stuff is, is, is a form of branding. Uh, again, I, I think that back to the the point about, about branding earlier, that that is, it's, it's a nice to have the kind of like hashtags that, um, uh, maybe you feel like you have some kind of ownership of, but what's, what's really, I think more interesting or, or, or feels like it has more possibility is the possibility of, of creating something that become that, that go, that ends up going kind of beyond you. Again, right. where you're you're getting something that kind of people can engage with, um, and and uh, that will drive people back to you, like in the end. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, there's definitely value to that for a few different reasons. Um, there's value to that. Like, I, I think that there would be a non-zero novelty value to that. Like some people will click on those hashtags undeniably, these kind of weird custom ones that you might see from a fashion house or whatever. Um, but what's where they become more interesting to me is as a, uh, a way for you to kind of catalog your stuff within these platforms. So if, if, you're, if you're working with this database that you have at home, you, you have any way to search that information using whatever you want to, especially if you know how to do like queries and things. Uh, you don't necessarily have that same way of looking through things on Instagram. Um, so if you are using hashtags that by and large is just you using, those are also kind of de facto sorting tools and ways to give yourself subsets of your own imagery on your account. Um, so that that can be helpful for 
kind of curating collections. So if you if you always shoot uh, a model beside a tree, uh, one certain tree in your yard, whatever you do a shot or whatever, a shoot, excuse me, um, you know, you might have whatever tree specific hashtag and always attach those. And then, you know, um, time comes, you click that hashtag and you're like, oh, geez, I've got 30 of these now. I should like put together a show or do a blog post or, or whatever it is um, with that. So yeah, all this stuff is just, again, organize, it's effectively just organizing your digital assets in a, in a way that you can uh, retrieve the things that you want easily. I like the idea of uh, the, the description you just gave is almost like inspiring yourself. Absolutely. You, know, you create this hashtag for this one photo and then six months down the road, like you say, oh, I have 30 images that are tagged under that thing. And you've now you've just inspired yourself. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And, and what's nice is, again, those those won't necessarily translate into uh, quote customers using those things. Mm-hmm. But um, down the road, when you do have a kind of body of work under whatever this umbrella is, it becomes very, 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 very easy for not only you to share it, but for others to share it because you've already got this hashtag with a ton of focused content. The danger of course, is that if that does take off, other people start spamming it and it starts to water that down. But again, you gotta, these things are ephemeral. It's, it's, hashtags are dust in the wind you you can't contain this stuff unfortunately for better or worse so (laughs) Um, so i think really when it comes down to what we're really talking about here is keep yourself organized keep these keywords uh the spreadsheet is the best piece of advice i think right to just kind of keep yourself organized so that you it's only going to benefit you in the end i always think that you know maybe you're doing this one action that doesn't have any direct benefit but you're going to have eyes on your work and maybe some of those eyes down the road are going to think back, Oh, I needed that photo. Or I really like that photo that that person did of that model against that tree in the backyard. We really need something like that. And now three years down the road, somebody has reached out to you about a photo you did before that seemed like it was yeah. nothing. Right? So I always say, just put your stuff out there and you, you just never know if you're proud of it and, and it really, you really like it, then you should definitely put it out there. But all this keywording keeping organized is really a step up of just putting it out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's kind of like, kind of like a secondary, Hey, look over here kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, w- I want to shift just a little bit. I want to start talking about the, sure. soft- the softwares that um, uh, unless there's anything else you want to add to it. I, I did want to jump back to one thing because I realized yeah. I never, because I meant to uh, broaden out your question about uh, photography keywords and then zero in to actually talk about that. And then I never did. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that, uh, um, there is definitely value in that stuff. I I think that there is a community of people online that use those hashtags enthusiastically, uh, because they do want to know what something was shot with and they want to know the focal length and all this kind of stuff. Um, but that's, that's, again, it's just a niche is, is where I was going to bring that back to is that that's not, that's not by and large going to be the community that, that drives sales of your prints. Well, shit, maybe it is actually photographers. I don't know. Um, but it's not going to be by and large, uh, if you're a wedding photographer, the, the Leica lens crew aren't going to be the ones who are hitting you up for work when they're getting married or whatever. Like you're going to be generating those leads in other ways beyond the photography hashtag. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that the more accurate the, information include the the more information as long as it's accurate included with this stuff the better because it never hurts to have too much information about something um but it's just kind of recognizing 
uh, what is and isn't relevant or valuable about uh, a given image that, that needs to be translated into searchability and also recognizing the opportunities where you're creating noise. Like if, if you um, are, are hashtagging a bunch of pictures of your dog Daisy, like hashtag Daisy totally makes sense. But then when people search hashtag Daisy expecting flowers, they're gonna be like, what's going on here? Um, because that's probably, I haven't looked, but I imagine that hashtag's wild, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, before, we, before we start talking about how to add metadata and keywords to software, how do you, is there a way, like if I'm looking at a photo on the internet, I really like it. I'd love to know how, what keywords they used for it. Is there a way for me to just look at that photo on Google or whatever and find the metadata? Yeah, um, there is a tool. I want to say Exit Finder or something. I'm just going to open up my, open up my browser here on a sec. Yeah, so um, there's exif-viewer.com where you can just uh, dump in an image URL and it will give you the metadata associated with that oh, image. Great. So, so yeah. what was that uh, URL again, just so we have it on here twice? It is exif-viewer.com. Okay, perfect. So if you want to find out what metadata or keywords are used on a specific photo, you drop it into that. Yeah, and um, I think that even, uh, I want to say depending on what my view settings are, I, I feel like I even have that data in the, um, no, maybe it's not. So there, I know that there is also photo metadata associated with, uh, no, it is. Okay, uh, If even if you just right click on a JPEG in Windows Explorer and go to get info um, or properties, excuse me. Uh, yeah, there's, there is that, that metadata right in the details tab. It's got your focal length, um, the f-stop, uh, whether the flash fired, and there's also, yeah, subject tags, comments, all that kind of stuff. So, so if I downloaded a photo from the internet, it would still give me that same information in the Windows Finder. It should, if there is uh, that photo, if there's photo metadata associated with that asset. A lot of times there isn't because, um, you know, if, if I'm downloading, uh, you know, a, a marketing asset that might be a composite of a few things and doesn't have that data. But yeah, if it's, if it's just a photo off Flickr or something, I don't see why it wouldn't have as, as long as the, the values attached. As long as the creator actually entered that information. Well, not necessarily because- I, I um, the camera did, like focal length and-, and Yes. That's obviously gonna be automatically attributed to the image. But right. if, they don't, if they don't put in there, this is a picture of a corn on the cob and it was at a barbecue and all of that stuff it's not going to appear in any of that. Uh, a caption won't. Um, what, what you actually, it, it depends on on kind of who the platform is and, and what they do with that after, because of course, um, any, and any platform gets a digital asset in and they take that metadata and add some things to it, probably remove some things to it, kind of translate quote unquote, some values for use in a different system or whatever. Um, and then so, a lot of times there will be additional things added by the platform, even if you don't, even if you uh, just uploaded an asset with img003.jpg and nothing else. Uh, when I downloaded that off of your Flickr account, it probably would have some metadata attached to it that Flickr automatically added during its uh, ingestion process. If you have your name associated with the account, um, what if you did add keywords to the 
the, the, the photo page, but not the image metadata itself. When I download that, it might have actually added those ex post facto, depending on the platform. So yeah, it depends on the platform. I see, I see. Um, okay, well, let's get into, let's talk a little bit about Lightroom and what you know about Lightroom and some good practices on entering your keywords and metadata into a photograph if you are using Lightroom. Yeah. Um, so again, all of these, all of these are largely similar and it's about kind of um, working, finding a workflow process that works for you uh, to do the kinds of changes, updates, additions that you want to, to your metadata um, at ideally as large of a scale as possible. You don't want to be doing things. You don't want to be editing one image at a time, uh, one keyword at a time. You want to be editing a whole bunch of images for one keyword and just kind of doing as much of it as you can in bulk. Um, and so uh, basically kind of figuring out what it is that you want to do and and how to use multiple keywords to kind of like narrow down asset sets um all these kinds of things are going to get you there in any program um and what's what's again maybe even more important than um the specific workflows of the program is is kind of figuring out um the kind of data that you do want to attach to this stuff and whether you want to structure that is really interesting too, because that is, um, we used uh, at, at Getty something called the controlled vocabulary, which is like a structured hierarchy of information. So um, the same way when you learned about Linnaeus in science class, you know, it goes kingdom, phylum, whatever, all the way down mm -hmm. to genus and species. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the same idea of a tree like that used to organize any sort of search information that people might search on. So, um, you know, Pomeranian would be a subclass of dog, which is a subclass of mammal, which is a subclass of animal, which is a subclass of vertebrate, which is a subclass of living organism, you know, which is a subset of the natural world, whatever, all these kinds of ideas. Mm -hmm. But that's also true for geographical locations. Um, so the Saddle Dome is a subset of Calgary, which is a subset of Alberta, uh, all these kinds of things. And so um, if you if you use if you can find uh, or create, creation is obviously a ton of work. There are a lot of open source vocabularies out there that you can download for these sorts of applications. If you can find one that works for you and understand how to use it, like it, it you can do so much keywording with so little actual keyword application because you're applying, say, less than 10 keywords that are accurate and specific and then because of the tree hierarchy, it actually applies all of these other keywords to the end use of that set too. Yeah. So it's a way to add a lot of stuff uh, at once. But again, that's where the importance of data accuracy is there. Because if, you know, if, if I, whatever, put, if I accidentally when I'm making my weapons structure, make guns a subclass of sword, like, that's one oopsie, but then every time I apply gun to assets of gun, they're going to get a sword keyword too that's not accurate. And I'm, I'm again, creating these errors at scale the same way I can solve them at scale with bulk work and automation. Right, right. Um, um, so yeah, so, so what I would say best practices for, for Lightroom and, and really all of these programs is to uh, kind of like figure out what the problem is that you're trying to solve and, and focusing on that and saying, okay, today I'm going to make sure that any image that I have with a person in it 
has a tag identifying who that person is that I can use. Um, and, and really kind of figuring out that problem and scoping it out so that you know when it's solved. Because when you're working with, with this kind of stuff, um, especially if you're starting from scratch and you don't already have a kind of good practice, it can feel really, really overwhelming. And like, you're kind of treading water and like getting a little bit done on a whole bunch of different things. So it's really important to kind of like, you know, I can't get all this done today, but what are, what are the most important things for how I personally use my assets? What are the most important things for how people are going to find and purchase my assets or whatever it is I want to do to convert these things to money? and then solve those problems in order, like identify and prioritize those problems in order. And I'll worry about, you know, boutique hashtags that are interesting, but maybe not as quote valuable down the road. Okay. Um, oh, I had a question, but it's gone now. <laughs> um, so, so in Lightroom, I'm gonna go back to Lightroom here real quick. Mm -hmm. If, if you're going to enter metadata, what is the process of doing that? Just simply like, how do you enter your first word into the photograph? Um, you basically would just open up the, uh, I don't have the name for it in front of me, but the Lightroom's metadata editor and just input it into the keywords uh, or tags box and then put a comma after it. And then that's, um, you're, you're starting from what's called an, an like a, like like an unstructured vocabulary so you just have these kind of loose unaffiliated words and those are fine um that totally works for most search systems and it's still how the bulk of uh websites search um is off of free text and not things like controlled vocabularies um but uh but yeah you're, you're going to save time if you do a lot of this kind of stuff or you do it at any kind of scale uh using a, a hierarchical list Okay. And then once the metadata is in the photo, is there ever any threat of losing that information? Um, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, uh, one of the first things I saw when I was kind of like um, looking up some resources and finding some material that would be relevant to uh, photographers was around uh, the importance of adding your copyright into metadata and IPTC. And of course, the very first thing was like, well, people can just strip it out. And it's like, yes, that is 100% true. Um, unfortunately, there's really not a lot that that you can do to um, try and safeguard that information against somebody that wants to remove it. Um, you know, the same way that, that it's very, very easy to... Uh, you know, throw a YouTube URL into one of these conversion sites and get an MP4 of it. Like you can throw an image into um, a exit scrubber, which will just strip everything out. And you maybe like flip it on its axis once or something so that uh, uh, these pin eye and things like that don't pick it up either. Like it, there, there, there's really, unfortunately, it's very, very difficult to safeguard against that stuff. Um, so it's kind of like, um, what, what I would encourage is, is having, again, having that stuff attached is valuable, but then having proof of it being attached when it was attached is even more valuable. So yeah. again, if you, if you, you can't say necessarily prove that this person got this image that is your image from your website specifically, maybe they did get it off of a message board or Google image search or whatever, um, but if you can say, well, this image has lived on this website since 2011 with this copyright metadata attached and identifying, is it of my image? 
and oh, I remembered to hit the archive button over on Internet Archive back in the day so we can even call it like logs of that or whatever. Like there's ways to kind of um, it's like a digital version of, of the old cliche of like mailing yourself uh, a tape recording of you saying yeah. the thing or whatever, like your business idea. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, no, this, this establishes copyright, this like unopened piece of mail with this, this, this cassette <laughs> I tape. I totally forgot it. about that. <laughs> Sealing it in an envelope and just like having it forever and it doesn't matter in the end. <laughs> yeah, there there are, there even, even in the pre-digital ways, there are better ways to archive uh, information, even from a copyright perspective. Um, but yeah, um, having that kind of information just somewhere so you can point to. And again, not, not only is this stuff useful for your own logs, but if you have a website that um, maybe not all this stuff is front facing, but if you have all of this stuff living on that website, um, it's, you know, it's basically your own cloud storage. Right. And, and your own kind of custom search database that you can look at all this stuff with too. So anyway. I guess it would depend how many photos you're taking because that yes, could indeed. take up a lot of space as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this of course assumes that you are running like a, a Bitcoin server farm in your basement. So. <laughs> That's right. You're running the extension cord to your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So it's relatively easy to, to drop this information into photographs from pretty much any software um, from what I've found. Again, I like to use photo mechanic the most for that sort of thing, just because of the way that I do it, I suppose it's just kind of is in my face to move forward, to enter a caption at the very least, put my copyright mm -hmm. in there. Um, so that's why I prefer it, or that's why I do it in photo mechanic because probably previous to that, I very rarely would do any of that at work unless a client was asking me specifically to. So um, I, I like photo mechanic uh, for its usability not for editing, but just for organizing. Um, it's fantastic. Um, okay, so we've spoke a lot about um, the importance of keywords and metadata, um, how to apply them to your photographs, um, and some good software to help enter that information. Is there anything else you want to add to the conversation? Yeah, I just wanted to say that um... back to your point a minute ago about, about you didn't do that initially. Like, I get it this stuff is annoying. Like adding, <laughs> adding this is not the, the, the interesting part of taking photos is like engaging with people and taking the photo and being out there doing that thing. Like I, I personally, I don't find post-processing fun. Um, I don't find, you know, spreadsheet data entry fun per se, but I recognize that it is so, so valuable um, to uh, if you're working with any kind of digital assets or records, especially uh, to kind of basically build your own archive. Um, and so I think that, I, th I think that metadata is perceived in a couple of ways and not unreasonably. So um, it's it doing this kind of stuff is, is annoying and I get that. And it also to a lot of people can be intimidating and that right. I want to say, I, I think, I don't think it's, it's unfounded because spreadsheets and databases are a little bit scary, but um, really if, if you want to take even an hour, um, you will, you, you can become fluent with, with using this kinds of stuff, this kind of stuff in basically, you know, a, a free Linda course on Excel or whatever you can, you can get with your library card. Like I learned so much about how to use spreadsheets and their functions better, which made all of the rest of this stuff 
like all literally all of the other tasks I do in my life from how I organize getting my chores done to, um, you know, putting together marketing material for my business, all these other things. Like I use databases and spreadsheets in so many different areas now. And I just think that it's important for people not to be intimidated by it and not to be like scared of it. Cause you know, if you're, again, if you're starting from scratch, captioning and keywording 10,000 images or whatever your library is, if you've been a working photographer for a decade or more, like that's, that sounds wild. That sounds impossible. And it's really not, it's just about like chipping away and getting the important stuff done first. Right. Don't expect that you're going to get it all done in one setting. Don't put that expectation on yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's how I, that's how I get discouraged easily. <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah. Um, cool. Thanks for all the information and great tips on how to keep your photographs organized moving forward and how to maybe look at your back catalog and straighten that stuff out. And really, again, I think the benefit of it is not only being organized and knowing how to find anything as long as it's catalog organized, but also if you know if you're putting it up on stock sites and stuff, it's going to help you make more money that way which, mm -hmm. you know, we're all trying to make money. That's what we're doing here right now. So yeah, thanks for taking some time to come and chat with me. Yeah. Anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, I think that's it. Thank you for having me today. And uh, yeah, I hope that people found this useful. And um, yeah, and like I said, I'll, I'll send along some resources so that if people want to learn more about specific applications in whatever their software of choice is, or if they want to just familiarize themselves with how to use uh, databases more broadly in whatever it is they're doing. Perfect. Yeah. Send those to me and I'll just add them into the caption of the podcast so people can find them there. Right on, right on. Okay. Perfect. Well, have a good day and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care, my friend. Bye. was my conversation with Jordan Lane all about metadata and organizing your photos and the reason you want to do it, what's the purpose of it. Um, I'll put a bunch of resources that Jordan sent me down in the caption there. Um, we talked about a lot of different things and he sent me a ton of links that follow up on those points. If you want to check out Jordan on Instagram, he is an image consultant and podcaster at Improviser. He sells image clothing. You can check him out on Instagram at The Fresh Eye. And this has been another episode of What's Good, brought to you by GoodSidePhoto.com and hosted by me, Ryan Walter Wagner. You can check us both out on Instagram at GoodSidePhoto and at Ryan Walter Wagner. All right. Take it easy. Until next time.